I'm sorry, Rooted Part 4. This is our four-week series, and uh, I'm excited to kind of land the plane on this series because Rooted, what we discovered is that being rooted is like that tree planted by the rivers of water. That we, we need to be stable, especially in the times that we live. And A, we need to know where to go when we're thirsty. When our soul is thirsty, when our soul is longing, we need to go to the well. We need to go to the river, to the right place, that, that, that river that satisfies the quenching of our heart. Um, and we all get thirsty. And so we learn that. We also learned that uh, being rooted means being anchored and anchored in some specific truths that are never changing, that are the, 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 the foundation of what we believe. Last week, we tackled that, um, that we're anchored in the, the finished work of Jesus, that his death and burial, that we died with Christ, and then his resurrection power. Oh, it was a good message. Anybody with me? And this week, this guy's like, wow, the preacher's really arrogant. Um, this week... We are um, really landing the plane on this idea of guarding our root system because we're like that tree planted by that river and our roots are what keep us stable. And last week we talked about two different trees. We talked about a, uh, a palm tree that has the roots that just kind of go so far down that they can, it can bend all the way over in a storm, touch the ground and still bounce back because it's so rooted. And then we talked about a big sequoia, a big redwood tree that, that they they realized has some shallow roots. They're powerful and they can withstand anything as long as um, foot traffic isn't going to damage the roots. And so we're kind of more like that. We're kind of more like this sequoia that has the potential of being massive and grow huge and, and sustain anything. But, but this root system is so profound. And if we're not careful then we can let the enemy come and trample on our root system and it kind of breaks down this ability to be rooted. And so today um, we're talking about guarding your thought life and winning the battle of your mind. I believe your mind is the roots that connect to. See, it's not, our mind is the anchor, right? We don't just go to figure out whatever we want. We are anchored in Jesus and his finished work. But these roots that go down to anchor to that, the Bible says, let your roots go down deep into the soil of Jesus. And so, and so our, our roots that connect to him, it starts in our mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And this is where the battle is, is our thought life and our mind. And so I came across this article um, that was written in 2005 and it's sort of an interesting statistics, go ahead and go to the next slide, um, that uh, 40,000 thoughts go through our mind per day. 40,000 on average. 80% of those thoughts are negative. Which again, hopefully for Christians, hopefully people that you know, have at least taken some steps to renew our mind, that hopefully we're we're less on that percentage-wise. You may be more like 30%. I don't know if you're really doing business, but left to our own, and I think that's the point. Left to our own and allowing that heart drift to just kind of go with culture, then, then our average is going to be about 80% negative. And then this last one's kind of staggering. 90%, this was, this was the, the, well, the research, 90% of those 40,000 thoughts were repeat thoughts like a broken record, right? Just a broken record. And so you're either 
reinforcing incredible truths in your life. You're either reinforcing who God is and setting your mind on things above and all of those things, or you're reinforcing the opposite. But, but you don't have a choice. You got to do one or the other. Something's being reinforced because 95% of your thoughts are repeat down and that's the goal, right? Because they are roots. And, and, and you remember the illustration with this giant sequoia is in the 50s, there was a few trees that fell over in an, in an average storm. And it's like, man, that really, it really shouldn't topple over because of a storm. It's so big and so massive and the roots are so powerful. And it's like you and I, when the wind and the waves come, we really shouldn't topple over. But sometimes when there's too much foot traffic around our mind, the things that we think about, the people we listen to, where we go, what the, the, the stuff we're watching, what we're allowing influence us, those thoughts are our root system. And if we allow too much foot traffic, then really we're not as solid as we should be because the anchor is solid. And the anchor's not you. It's not your good deeds. It's not your ability to get up every day and be awesome. The anchor's Jesus. He is solid as a rock, right? And so that's, what the, that's why the Bible says that, listen, build your, your house on the rock. You're not the rock. Newsflash. Jesus is the rock. Build your house on the rock. So when, when the wind and waves come, because they're coming, one form or fashion, when they come, you're good. You're immovable because your anchor is solid. But, but attaching to that anchor starts in our mind and our thought life. And so you're going to see where the enemy really, he likes to walk on your roots. He likes to trample around your tree that's planted next to the river. And so you're going to drink and you're drinking on Jesus and you're going into his presence and you're doing all this stuff, right? And you're, and you're, you're, you're anchored in Jesus and your beliefs. But if your thought life is not disciplined, then unfortunately, though all of the other things in your life are working, there's going to be some, some damage done and, and some instability because your thought, thought life is so powerful. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you. Gracious, turn off the news. Okay, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Notice, notice the, the role of the Holy Spirit. I love that. But be inwardly transformed, right? That's what we're going, going for here. We're not going behavior modification. We're going for God. Change me on the inside. I'm new. I'm brand new. By the Holy Spirit is constantly trying to lead you and flood your mind and heart with, with thoughts from heaven, that we've been given the mind of Christ. And this is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. And that brings about this incredible transformation. 40,000 thoughts. What are we going to do with those 40,000 thoughts? We have so, that's so much power. 40,000 thoughts. Just think about that. Tomorrow, you're going to be like counting them. You're like, oh, that wasn't, I thought, oh, that wasn't an original. That's the broken record one. Okay, moving on. <laughs> what are we going to do with those thoughts? I, I would love to tell you that this is a simple shift in our thinking. Um, unfortunately, there's a, there's a demonic force that's at play here that really cares about this battlefield. And, and sometimes we feel ill-equipped 
But, but, but the Bible is clear about this, this force that we, that we face. And so it's not enough to just be like, well, tomorrow I'm going to think good thoughts. I'm going to be more positive. Listen, please be more thought positive and, 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 and all of that. But there's, there's something deeper here. And, and if we're not ready for it, if we don't go in understanding that there is a bigger thing going on here, then we can feel unprepared. And it reminds me of when Heather and I first um, were youth pastors and we were asked to guard the church while it was being built. I've told this story before. So we were in San Antonio and there was this building being built and they, they had just moved in kind of the sound equipment and kids space and like some really expensive stuff into this shell of a building, but they hadn't yet been able to get like security uh, system and those kinds of things. And so they're like, Shane and Heather, you guys are young. Uh, you're the youth pastors, which means you do everything. And uh, would you guys spend the night for a few nights at the church? And because we got security company coming in a couple of days, but, but at night we just need somebody there. So I'm thinking, you know, we're 25 years old for sure. I mean, I got this. Heather and I, we could do this. And Heather was gung-ho. She likes an adventure. So we got our sleeping bags. We literally slept in the sanctuary. Like it's like a war zone. I mean, there's no carpet. It's concrete, right? Building stuff everywhere. And we're sleeping and uh, it got really cold. So we, we snuggled for sure. And, uh, and then I'll never forget, in the middle of the night, we heard a noise, like something was outside the building. And so we look at each other, and we're like, I think somebody's out there. And so we like get up, and we start moving towards the window. Now, I don't know why this didn't hit me earlier, but, 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 but no joke, this thought didn't hit me until this moment as we're moving towards the door to figure out what's outside. If there is somebody, this was the thought, if there is somebody outside, what are we going to do? So we start, we start walking around the church. Hey, we're in here. <laughs> as, if that, as if that's going to do anything for a thief. No, seriously, though, it's not empty. We're in here. <laughs> we had like no weapon. I'm looking around for like a pole or something I can grab, right? Like a, a, a weapon of some kind, nothing. <laughs> Same thing happened to us in, in our house. This was like a, maybe a, a year later. We're in our, our brand new house. And we're sleeping sound asleep. Did we have Hershey at the time? Hershey, yeah, but she wasn't really a dark dog. Anyway, so we're sleeping in our new house. This was way before we had kids. And all of a sudden, we hear this at our front door. And then we heard it again, like violent, like not somebody knocking, somebody trying to pull the door off of its hinges. And so Heather, you know, does covers, right? Or like this, gets on the phone, 911. And I get up, right? to be all the manly thing. And then I had the same thought. What am I going to do? I don't know karate. I don't have a weapon in the house, right? Even though it's Texas, I'm from San Diego. So I don't, didn't have a gun, sorry. So I like literally go into the closet and try, I, got, I had this like, um, this like warrior spear that was given to me uh, from like this missions trip in, <laughs> in, uh, in like Australia or something or other. Somebody brought back like this spear as like a momentum for being like a warrior in Christ. And so I, it wasn't like a weapon. It was like a memento. Totally got the spear out. I'm in our room, right? Anyway, they went away and the cops came and it was fine. But uh, it was one of the moments. You ever feel like that? Like, I am totally unprepared if someone attacks me. I, I don't know karate. I'm stuck. Uh, where was I? So, so the goal, the goal for this, 
this demonic force that's after us is this, to weaken your root system just a little bit every day. So like I said, there's a power at work here, and we're going to read the scripture, but it's not just good thoughts, bad thoughts. There's an agenda from the enemy, and then there's an agenda from the Holy Spirit. The agenda from the Holy Spirit is to lead you to this incredible upward calling and fill your hearts with heaven so that you understand who you are and whose you are. But then there's this other agenda, and the agenda isn't to take you out with one thought. He's not coming to take you out, right, with just one idea, the knockout punch. He's coming to just get you off one degree today, just to plant a little seed, to just off a tiny bit, so much so that you don't really even notice it if you don't have something to compare it to or anchor yourself to. It's just like one degree off, and then the next day, one more degree, and then the next degree, the next day, one more degree. So, so before you know it, you know, three months go by, and you're like 15, 20 degrees off where you, where you should be in your head, but again, it's like that boiling, boiling water. It starts lukewarm, and it's just like, this feels good. And pretty soon it's boiling, and you're like, I don't, I don't notice the difference. This is, this is life, right? This is, this is my life. So this is the agenda from the enemy. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5, lays it out for us. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, or another translation says imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity the obedience of Christ. Notice the enemy's role in our thought life is to set himself up as strongholds, arguments and imaginations that we're going to talk about and high things, those thoughts that elevate themselves above above God, these lies that he plants in our life. So as I said, good thoughts, that's a nice suggestion, but um, the infection's deeper than that. And if you've ever seen a tree that died because of, you know, it got beetles or it had some kind of infection that happened to us right, right behind our house, there's a giant pine tree. I'm glad it died because uh, now uh, less pine trees fall in our pool. But uh, in general, it's a bummer when a nice, big, healthy tree dies and it, you see it. It starts slow and all of a sudden the whole thing turns brown because it gets this deep infection into the roots. And this is, this is the goal of the enemy is it's, it's not just a thought that you never thought of. It's, it's this infection that goes into the, the roots of your soul. And so it's a street fight. And so that's what I want to say. And then we're going to dive into three simple areas about our thought life that I want us to grab. But it's, it, it's, it's a war. You are warriors in your mind, in your heart, to like set your mind on God and to firmly plant yourself in certain areas in your life, in your thought life, and not allow the enemy room. See, my, my son, uh, he p- plays soccer at uh, uh, a local school. Uh, actually, Avery plays with him, and uh, I, I watch him every Friday. And the last couple of times, I, f- I felt like the boys, they just like were lacking that warrior spirit. You know, they're just kind of like frolicking about, you know, like talking to their friends, you know, and just kind of laughing when the ball goes past. And so I had this conversation with Caleb about being, um, being angry, but not sinning. Like Jesus was angry at certain things. He went into the temple, threw over the tables, right? Drove people out, but he wasn't sinning in his heart, 
But there was this righteous indignation and passion. This is what I told Caleb about. I said, bro, here's the thing. You got to get mad out on the soccer field. Like, otherwise, don't play. Go play chess. You guys were like, wow, you're rude. You're a mean dad. I'm like, Caleb, this is a contact sport. It's not ping pong. Get out there and, and go for it, right? Come on. Like, you should, be, you should be mad when somebody gets past you. You should be the first one to the ball, just going for it. And you know what? They won their last game. Caleb once scored three goals. Come on. Yeah. But, but you, 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 you get that, like in athletics, like, come on, we got we to gotta go for it. It's the same thing with this idea of, of our thought life is that we got to be ferocious. Like this is not, we're not just, we're not just you know, playing here. This is, this is war. This, the, the, the implications of this are huge. And so you guys ready for three simple ideas? The first one is this. We need to move, get a mindset shift from anxious to confident. Anxious to confident. Again, a mindset shift or just planting yourself. Now, what you're going to find over the next three points is there's going to be one point that stands out to you. There's going to be one point that's like, yeah, that's mine. And the reason why I say that is because the enemy has a strategy with you, and it's not a shotgun approach. It's a sniper. He knows you. He knows your struggles, your weaknesses. In fact, he created most of them way back when, when he planted those thoughts and he used those circumstances to make you think and believe certain things, right? These are these strongholds that are in our life so that we get older and it's just like, we just think that that's how the world works. And so these mindset shifts, it's important that we recognize, okay, where am I, where am I susceptible to the enemy? And the argument or the lie or the stronghold, that imagination is... Things never work out the way I hope they will. And even when they do, okay, that's just one time. The next time, it's not going to work out the way I think it's It's just not going to, which is fine. Things just, things just don't work out for me. I see, I see it working out for other people. but And if it does work out, it's not going to last. Because that's just the way things go for me. And so I got to work a little extra hard. I got to work some relationships because it just doesn't work out for me the way it does other people. And if it does work out, it's not going to last. So I'm preparing myself for when it doesn't last, when the good ends, right? It's going to be good and then it's going to end because nothing lasts. So I'm going to prepare myself for when that happens. This is the lie. And that causes anxiety instead of confidence. This person is, um, lives in worry world. Worry world is a place where anxiety controls imagination. Your imagination is beautiful. It's God-given. God uses it to dream and to see wonderful things from God. But if your anxiety controls your imagination, then you're going to have strongholds and high things in your Life. And I'm not talking about being cautious. Cautious is awesome. I'm talking about a mindset that controls your thinking. This is a demonic thing stomping on the root system of your faith. And some of you have heard my story. This one hits home for me. This is mine. Not because not I own it, because I don't own it, because I'm moving past it. But this is the one for me that, that, that hits home. The other two, 
They're good ideas for me. But for me, this one's the one that I have to work through. Because I realized that the enemy planted something deep in my heart years ago that whatever good is happening won't last. Whatever good, it's not going to last. And so I've seen that play out in my life where I, where I hedge my bets and I prepare for if it's going good, I'm going to prepare because it's probably, it's probably about to turn bad. It's not going to continue this way. And I've really had to uproot that thing and, 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 and firm it up and believe what God's word says about me, about my life. Um, I love this Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says this. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work, that this is the, this, this is the frontal assault against that lie, is that he is in control, that he has finished the work, and that he is doing an amazing thing in your life, and so I can walk confident. Again, it's the mindset. Right? It doesn't mean you don't, you're not cautious or that you're not smart or wise or even in moments like, hey, this, this is worrisome. I got to take a look at this. I got to take a look at the facts. That's all good, but it's a mindset to say, I'm going to walk in confidence. But my confidence isn't because things always go good for me. My confidence isn't, well, I have the means and I'm going to figure this out. My confidence is in he who began a good work will finish it one way or another. He's going to see me through. And so I can have confidence and I'm not going to have a mindset of worry world, anxiety. Well, what if? Well, what if this happens? Well, what if it, that was where I was? Well, what if it ends? Right? We started the church. It starts growing. Uh, again, I'm being honest and transparent with you guys. We start the church. It starts growing. You know what goes through my mind? What if it starts shrinking? Apply that to you. What if X happens? Well, yeah, that's a good point. Right, you see the enemy trampling on the root system of my life? Well, that's a good point. I mean, COVID, right? People are getting sick, right? And then he uses things. He uses things in your life to, 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 to prove, the enemy does, to prove. See, see, less people in the seats. See, it's already happening. It's already happening. You should really back off, right? You should really hedge your bets. You should go get another part-time job. It's probably not going to work out. Am I the only one? It's a mindset. Now, again, this isn't an excuse to, to be, to, to be uh, reckless in your life. This is an excuse to anchor yourself to the word that God's given you and be faithful and say, I can walk in confidence when I'm standing on the word. I know that God said, plant this church. And so I'm going all in because it's not going to end. It's going to get better because he who began a good work is going to finish it. And it's not based on me. This is the anchoring ourselves with our mind, but it's daily it's daily getting up and saying, no, I'm going I'm to tear down that imagination, right? See how anxiety takes imagination? My, 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 my anxious imagination is imagining a room full of chairs and no people because people just decided not to come. 
That's, that's anxiety hijacking my imagination versus faith using my imagination to believe God that he's doing an incredible thing here in our midst and in our city. Come on. That's what we're doing. We've got to uproot that lie. Oh, I love this. And before we go to the next point, I love this. Um, being confident in this very thing, he who began a good work in you will finish it. That word finish is the same, or complete is the same word that Jesus used on the cross. It is finished. It is complete. I did it. So your story, my story is connected to and firmly established in the finished work of Jesus. He already did it so you and I can have a pathway to move forward in confidence. I love that. Next, next one is this, scarcity to abundance. This mindset, scarcity, we've got to move from scarcity to abundance. The argument, I'll never have enough, so I need to protect what I have. I'll never have enough, so, so I need to protect what I've, what I've got. Scarcity is a scary Thing because it comes from a slavery mindset. You remember the children of Israel, they were walking through the desert, just came out of slavery 400 years, so everybody there, that's all they knew. So it's kind of the epitome of slavery. And again, it's, it's a beautiful parallel because, because we were born slaved to sin. Our mind, unrenewed by the Lord, is slavery. It's stuck. And, and Jesus has freed us. But again, our mind can always go back, just like the children of Israel. They're wandering in the desert completely free. Not just free democrat, geographically, but the, the, but the, the whole entire uh, 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 army of, of Egypt that was holding them captive is all dead. So it's not like there's any possibility that they're going to be slaves again, and yet they couldn't get it out of their head. They were still slaves. They were still scarcity mentality. What if the river drives up? What if the manna stops falling from heaven? What if God just leaves? Right? We're out here alone. How many times did they tell Moses? It would have been better in Egypt. This is ridiculous. So, so, so God sends manna from heaven. Again, so many miracles. Their, their, their sandals didn't wear out. A river randomly follows them in the desert to give them water. And then their food falls from heaven. And it's called manna. And, and God says, because of their mindset, there was scarcity. I'll never have enough. So I got to hold on to what I have. It's, 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 it's life held like this. And we do it in our relationships too, and I'll get there. We do it like this. We hold on to stuff. We guard our stuff. We, we do this, our little fortress. And it's like, there ain't much in there, but we still feel like we need to guard it. And we don't, don't be looking at my stuff. And they're like, listen, you ain't got nothing to look at, but it's fine, but I'm still gonna guard it. This is a mentality. And God comes to them and he says, I'm gonna provide for you your food, but here's the deal. You can only take enough for today. Why? Because... Because they were stuck in this scarcity mentality. All they can think of was, what if this is the last time it falls from heaven? I'm going to grab as much as I can. Because it probably won't be here tomorrow. So I'm going to grab it and I'm going to guard it against all my neighbors. Those Jews are going to take my, my food, my manna, these silly crackers that aren't even t good tasting, right? 
But they're guarding it, and they're, they're, they're going to collect as much as they can. So that's what they did. They went out, and they took like pockets full and bags full, and they took it back to their tent. And the next morning, they got up to count their spoils, and it was rotten with worms in it. Because God said, you're stuck in slavery. You think that I can't provide for you. You think that you'll never have enough, so you gotta protect it, and I need you to shift your mindset because you're not a slave anymore. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm your father. You're my son and daughter. I will provide for you, but you gotta let go. You gotta let go. You gotta let go. Here, this is such a powerful uh, principle. It's the principle of the first, and this has to do with with tithing, so just bear with me here because we don't talk about tithing here not because I don't believe in it. I wholeheartedly believe in it because of the principle of the first. Here's the principle of the first. I could do this whole sermon on this, but let me just give you a little tidbit. Principle of the first is this, tithing, okay? When the children of Israel went to Jericho and they marched around the walls and all the walls fell down and then they took all the gold and all the silver and all this stuff out of this huge city. They took it all back to their tents and God said, all the gold and all the silver in Jericho is mine. Everything. Why? Because it was the first city. There was nine other cities that they were going to conquer. And God said, you know what? Every other city, everything you take, it's yours. But in that moment, they had to go, well, we conquered this city, but we may lose the next one. Or may they, they might not have any gold and silver. This may be our only opportunity. Put that slide back up there. This may be our only opportunity to protect what we have. A scarcity mentality always leads you to do this. This may, not, this may be all I got. So I ain't giving it to the Lord. I ain't giving it to my neighbor. I, I want to be generous, but I got to get mine. This is a scarcity mentality. You know the beautiful thing about tithing? If you get, if you, a tithe is 10%. If you have, you, you have 10 $100 bills for $1,000, Tithing is not one $100 bill. Tithing is the first one. It's the first one that leaves your hand. So when, when Heather and I sit down and do the bills, when Heather does the bills and I sit with her, <laughs> listen, listen, I would do it, but I'm so busy reading my Bible and praying that I can't handle it. Okay. Oh, boy. Sorry, Lord. Uh, but uh, <laughs> when, when we sit down to do the bills, you know what the first line is? Tithing. Because, because if we do the bills and we go, all right, how much for that? How much for this? And oh, this was a little extra. And then, gosh, that was a more than we thought and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then we get to the end and then we say, okay, Lord, is there enough for you? Yeah, kind of. So God, this month, you're going to get the leftovers. Why? Because I got to protect what I have. God, you, you get that. I got to protect what I, I got. God, you get that. My little 
the stuff here, my little manna from heaven. I got it. And I'm telling you guys, it's not about giving. It's about you learning to say, God, you are my provider. I do not live in a scarcity mentality in any area of my life. I live in abundance because you are the king of the universe and you're my dad. And so when I apply biblical principles to say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I put you first in my life. I believe that the, the, the rest is going to be incredibly blessed and it's going to be more than enough. This is a mentality. And we do this in our relationships. When we live in a scarcity mentality in our relationships, then you start assuming the worst. Abundance mentality always believes the best. Listen, I'm not the victim here. People are not to get me. Heather's not out to, Heather loves me. I, we live in abundance. If I live in scarcity mindset in our relationships, then I'm always protecting myself. Well, what if she? And what if that? And what if, huh? Instead of, no, I live open-handed. We live in abundance. I love this um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that's working us, to him be the glory forever. Listen, either we believe that or we don't. Now who it, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Jesus said, test me in this area of giving me your first. Give me the first city everything. There's a ton of gold. Give it all to me. Just try it. I feel like God's saying, just try it. And I can't wait to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you cannot contain. As you make a shift to God's in control and he, he cares for me, period. I don't care for me. Listen, if you care for you, good luck with that. I mean, it, it, might, it might go good for a while, but man, I want the king of the universe to be in control of my life in every area because man, he is so good. I am rich and I'm learning to live rich and I'm not talking about finances. Listen, this isn't name it, claim it, go get a nice car and a, you know whatever. This is in my soul, in my mind, I am blessed. You, you are blessed. You are. Breath in our lungs. <sighs> Lastly, we're going to land the plane here. Stuck to growing. We're going to move from a mindset of stuck to growing. The argument, no matter how hard I try, sorry for the typo, I will always be this way. I will always be this way. And when I get a little bit of movement forward, I always take a couple of steps back, proving to me that I will always be this way. I'll always struggle with this. My life will always fill in the blank. And I just want to say this to you. You are becoming. But you're not there yet. And I love this line. I wrote this. You can be struggling and becoming at the same time. I think for, for, year, I think for a long time we, in the church, we kind of paint this picture that's like, you're either a sinner or you're a saint, right? You're either doing awesome or you're a sinner. And it's like, okay, but then we leave church and we're like, life isn't like that. 
Relationships aren't like that. We live in a messy existence where there are no easy answers for everything. And I struggle and you struggle. Come on, can we be real just for a second? But can I tell you, we're growing. We're becoming. And on the inside, God's doing something incredible. And so I'm not gonna have a mindset that I'm stuck. I'm gonna have a mindset that I'm growing. I'm not there yet. Paul, the Paul the Apostle said, I'm going to forget the, the things in the past, and I'm going to strain towards the things that are ahead for this upward call. So I'm going to leave all that behind me, and I'm going to say, no, we're, we're moving forward. We're growing. His mercies are new every single morning. God is doing a new thing. A stuck mindset looks at every little struggle and every mistake as your identity. See? I'm stuck. See, I'm not worthy. See, I don't belong there. See, I, I could never be a leader in church. I could never do, I can never be. They don't accept me. I don't, I'm not worthy. You fill in the blank because of X. See, I'll always be this way. But if you accept that lie, you'll always be stuck because that is a lie from the pit of hell because your actions don't define you. He defines you. And that's not an excuse to stay where you are, but when you accept your real identity, I promise you, you will take a giant step out of whatever muck you were in and move forward because you're becoming who he's created you to be. And so stop letting your, your, your last failure define your greatest success in the future. God has called you to move forward and you are growing. It's a mindset shift. I'm not stuck. I'm growing. You with me? You need a new mindset. Um, I'm going to end on this scripture. James chapter 5 verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. And again, I'm just massaging this idea in you that the reason why you're not stuck is because you're growing, but growth can sometimes be really small. Sometimes it's like way under the ground. You're like, man, I just see dirt. Anybody look at your life and your spiritual walk and it's like, it just feels like dirt. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, I don't see a lot there. Trust me, this is how it works. And James is saying, be patient. You just keep watering and you keep sowing and you keep giving because God is doing something on the inside. He's doing something on the inside. This is a mindset shift. I'm growing. God's doing something. And I love uh, the... Um, that word patient literally means, uh, is uh, hoopamon. Hoopamon. That's the word patient. And it means triumphant fortitude. Come on. It's far more than patience. It's a triumphant attitude that can cope with life. It is the strength which does not only accept things, but in accepting them, transforms them into glory. James says, be patient with your life, with your loved ones. He's doing something. Come on, let's lean into him. Let's believe his word even when we just see dirt. Come on, we planted some stuff there. I continue to water some stuff there. And God is doing an incredible thing in my life, in my kids' life. I mean, I have kids, and you're like, man, I don't know. This looks like dirt, but I think I planted some stuff there. Come on, God is doing something. It's a triumphant attitude. 
It's a mindset shift. No, God's doing, he's raising my kids up. He's raising your kids up. He's doing something in our life. So come on, let's not give up. Let's not double down on our behavior. Let's double down on the faith to believe that God is doing something. And so we can live our lives hands open. We're not victims. We're, 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 we're triumphant. We live in abundance. Set your mind on things above. We're confident. We're abundance. We're growing. On that last slide. Father God, I thank you, Jesus, for the things you're doing in Heart Church. God, I thank you for this incredible community that you've put together. And so, God, I ask that you would do, continue to do an amazing work in our heart and our mind, that we would set our mind on things above, that we would guard our root system from the ways of this world, that day by day try to get us off even a degree. And Jesus, I pray that we would set a guard around our mind and our heart, Jesus that we would truly root ourselves in the things you say about us. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.